0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bald Move television podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. We are still on a Netflix uh, binge right now. We, this week, checked out the entirety of Russian Doll, the new existential sitcom uh, morality play starring (laughs) Natasha Lyonne as well as we watched a little bit more of black earth rising we'll have a little bit uh, of discussion about that afterwards but i want to get to the new stuff um russian doll what did you think of it i i
1: yeah Uh, let's just call it what it is it's a modernized groundhog day right i mean it's, it's a it's a groundhog day that sort of wants to use that to answer uh a bigger question about the characters and i think that's where it succeeds the most um in like kind of saying, Hey, this is a lens by which these characters can examine themselves. And I think that was in groundhog day, but it's a little more clearly done in this show. Uh, Maybe because uh, they have eight hours to do it, or Mm. I guess they have like four hours to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and maybe because it's just a product of our times and there's a little more introspection in our uh, media lately, but I found myself uh, a little repulsed by it in the first episode, but then very quickly coming back on board and figuring out that, oh, okay, I actually like this show quite a bit. Yeah, I think one of the
0: key in innovations it it's, has over kind of the Groundhog's Day content is that um, the rules... You, you start out, oh, this is Groundhog's Day, but there's a little bit of a twist on the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can... It's not a day that repeats. It's a segment of your life that repeats. It always starts the same, but it ends when whenever you die. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the universe is conspiring to kill you if you get off the path that it's wanting you to be on. But, that, I mean, to say anything more would spoil it. And there's so many interesting, fun twists and delights. And the rules of the universe continue to expand throughout your time in the series that I thought it was really good. I'd like to talk about what, like, maybe repulsed you a little bit here in a minute yeah but, we'll get to um, that i want to talk about the good stuff first because there's a lot to like about the show because there's also a lot of um i mean this is kind of also uh i can like because i've been watching the good place because uh, people have told me how good it is and i find it's it's got a pedigree that includes parks and rec and the office and brooklyn 99 and i'm like fuck it i'm gonna watch this thing and i've been delighted i feel like this is the dark counterpart to the good place and that it's ostensibly a comedy but it's also pondering like morality and ethics mm-hmm. and what our obligation to be a good person is and what that even means and i really i thought first of all it's very funny and i think the you know the lead actor is incredible like she i think she's ex- extremely charming and fun to fun to watch and she's like a like a female jim belushi like this force of nature that you could believably shove, shove shove, shovels of coke up her nose and drink heroic quantities of booze and might might uh, huff paint with a, a homeless person. Um, just watching her kind of like bounce around the set and her like eclectic group of friends and the people she meets along the way, I thought was a lot of fun. Um But I I kept on thinking when I was watching this, like, geez, I wish I had some shows like this and The Good Place and Big Mouth when I was like a teenager growing up, because it, you know, I, I think about like when I was growing up, the TV shows were either entirely aspirational, like the Tanners on Full House, where you never met a problem that couldn't be solved in, in 20 minutes with some honest conversation and some family love and everything worked out and no one had anything weird going on in their life. Um, or it was like married with children where it's like kind of dark and depressing and nihilist. Mm. Um, this is some, uh, what would you call this? Like it's not exactly a cautionary tale. It's more of like acknowledgement that you can't separate people into like Gandhi's and Hitler's. And there's a vast majority of us that live these complicated gray Moral and ethical lives where we might care about the planet but also is our consumption ethical and what do we do with these cell phones or build like and and what do we do when we break someone's heart and what do we do when we have a shitty like if we don't have the tanners uh, we don't even have the Bundy's we have like you know a mentally ill parent um, I think these stuff are really interesting to explore and watched with the appropriate kind of framework could actually teach you a lot about like life and, and why it's worth living a certain way do you, do you think i'm crazy uh, thinking that or is there
1: something to it no i think by the end of this series um it rounds out into something that you can look at and say hmm maybe i can use this as a lens into my own life and start to think about the things that maybe are shaping my behavior because uh, really, by the time this thing is over, the main characters have come to a certain understanding of themselves, which is always what gets me. Like when I go to a drama or a mm-hmm. comedy even like this is uh, ostensibly, I want to see, you know, good character arcs. I want to see identifiable characters, at least uh, at least most of the time. Sometimes I'm not looking for that. But mm-hmm. uh, I want to see characters that are <laughs> are growing and changing yeah. over time. Uh, and this show does that really well. It does it so well, in fact, that the reason I was repulsed in the beginning is mainly the characters. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't stand anyone on the screen at the beginning of this. <laughs> By the end, I came to appreciate that, oh, that's what they're going for at the beginning of this. You know, these people yeah. are supposed to be train wrecks. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. That's the part that I appreciated most. Like, it, okay, it's got a cool plot line and some interesting twists in that, but. Honestly, it came down to the introspection that the main characters do.
0: hmm. Um, yeah, I. What else you want to say, non-spoilery? I mean, this is typically the golden age of television. It looks amazing. It's this like very particular slice of uh, New York City life, and a very particular like um, yeah. I, I don't even know what the aesthetic would be. Um, I don't know like what these people's socioeconomic patterns are, but like it's. <laughs> I, I, it's it's very hard to describe, and if you are a fan of Natasha's work um, on Orange is the New Black, you'll immediately recognize this character, um, and it's just a lot of fun to see this thing kind of take flight outside of prison. There's also a couple other... Um, Uh, there's there's at least one other alumnus uh, that Beatrice is um, uh, a a big part of Orange is the New Black, too. So it's kind of like Ah. a little bit of Orange is the New Black mini reunion. Yeah. Um, So I can recommend it to you on that basis. But it looks amazing. It's extremely well-written. And it says some kind of profound things about the human condition and kind of like modern 21st century, you know, struggles with relationships and life and whatnot. Um, And also, I think it has some really cool universe mechanics like mm-hmm. i think a lot of shows of this type sh- don't like short change the world building and the kind of the the universal mechanics but this is such a fun concept i could see this being uh like some kind of anthology c- series where you just now have different characters in different parts of the world or in different uh places in america from different walks of life and you kind of run the same scam on them and and see what happens um I don't know, because the thing is, is I do feel like this is this is a one and done. I don't feel like we're mm-hmm. going to get a Russian doll two or second season of Russian doll. Yeah, it does feel like the the story comes to a conclusion. And, you know, uh, the thing is, is I wasn't sure about that. And I was I could, I at the final episode, I was getting antsy that I thought that they might try be trying to build towards like a stage two or a season two. I kind of like. I'm kind of getting an attachment to these standalone long form pieces of entertainment that are not intended to launch a series or a mm-hmm. franchise or a cinematic universe. It's just telling a, a very compelling Is a, a, a true limited miniseries. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's also it's like th- th- that won't scare you off either because it's literally four hours, not even four hours. And you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. What else do we want to say? Non-spoiler before we want to talk spoilers. Uh, nothing very non-spoilery. Hey, before we get into, I guess, the spoilers, I want to talk about some uh, housekeeping we've got, some stuff that's going on a Bald Move that we're excited about. Uh, first off, last week was our big Baldies Awards. If you missed it, it is about an hour-long ceremony where we give a- awards for best comedy, best drama, best actor, uh, wor- biggest disappointment, um, biggest miss. And then we have hours and hours and hours, like probably 10 to 12 hours of deliberations Uh, They're optional to listen to where you can hear us debate about all those different categories. Uh, It's a good time. It's our fifth annual. You can check it out. Uh, There'll be a link in the show notes uh, below or you go to baldmove.com. You can just search for Baldies. Um, On the Bald Movies feed, last week we saw the Netflix original uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. This Thursday we're going to see an advanced copy of Lego Movie 2 and we'll have full coverage of that. And then next week we'll also be looking at High Flying Bird, another Netflix original movie. Uh if you missed it last week on the Bald Move TV feed, we had a deep dive on the Korean zombie uh series Kingdom, which was awesome. Uh and then coming this coming up this weekend is our second annual not on Groundhog's Day anymore, Groundhog's Day Marathon, where if you go to Groundhog.baldmove.com, it's the portal that has all the information for this. We're raising money for the National Alliance to End Homelessness. Last year we raised ten thousand. We're gonna try to beat that this year. It's February. The ninth, this Saturday, from midnight to midnight. It's going to be all broadcast on twitch.tv slash Move. We are watching all of the Star Wars movies in chronological order. It's going to take us just at 24 hours to do. That means we're going to stay up, watch Star Wars all night long. And we're going to try to raise money for this good cause. If you want to find out more information, such as the schedule, uh, when things start, uh, what order we're watching the movies, all that kind of stuff, go to groundhog.baldmove.com. Please join us and watch and give some money to a good cause. Okay, so we're going to talk spoilers from here on out. So if you want to see Russian Doll, and I think you should, you should probably bail now if you want to stay unspoiled. Uh, what's the first uh, What's the first spoiler topic you want to consider?
1: Okay, I, I talked about a lot of the positives. Let me, let me throw out a negative here real quick. Okay. Because uh, it's really the only complaint I have with this show is that mm-hmm. I very much don't like the characters, and I think the show is a little too dense up front with its cleverness uh Mm. at least for me personally look this this show feels like aaron sorkin came in and wrote the fucking dialogue and then said okay here's a script and natasha leone said we need to punch this up let's punch Mm -hmm. up the fucking dialogue right to Mm -hmm. to 15 because 11's not enough Mm -hmm. uh i found all of the characters pretty repulsive in that they didn't seem like real people to me now look i'm from the midwest (laughs) uh i've lived in chicago briefly i've seen some big city people and they don't seem to act that way uh at least the ones that i knew maybe this is different in new york but i've you know the the new york-based sitcoms that i've seen in the past have been nothing like this hmm. um you have a certain you have a certain culture that sort of permeates and i and i get that and uh the characters to me just seemed like they were written not actual people yeah,
0: what – I'm trying to think I – I was trying to grasp to say, like, what is the, the demographic that's being shown on Natasha's side of the equation? It's kind of like some kind of pansexual artist philosophy colony that mm-hmm. just parties and fucks and drinks and drugs and that's their the, – and, and I don't know, maybe run low-key scams. Maybe some of them are I, – I honestly don't know – and this is kind of like all New York sitcoms like what do any of these people do for a living? Uh-huh. What but but we're seeing them on this one night of particular excess where they're celebrating a big uh birthday. So I was trying to think like their day-to-day life they're probably not this extreme. This mm-hmm. is just the most extreme where they decided they're going to smoke uh a blunt laced with ketamine or whatever uh-huh. and things are going to get weird, but yeah I did as i as I as I grew to appreciate the characters, I guess I was impressed by the sense of kind of like loyalty and camaraderie and kind of like down for anythingness that they were like that they, they showed and a certain esprit de corps. what was it just their how, how outlandish they were that 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 uh, detracted, I was partia-
1: or partially that, but it also it was the density of the dialogue look i don't mm. I don't think density is a virtue mm. uh necessarily unless you can do something more with it. And I didn't feel like this was really doing anything more other than these characters being extremely clever with everything they said all the time uh, and having immediate responses to everything. That doesn't strike me as a very human way to talk. And so I, I just couldn't identify with any of these characters off the bat. Now, I will say once uh once she gets away from her party, that that character becomes a lot more relatable to me. Uh, she starts to, you know, have have some of the same hang-ups that a lot of people have and start mm-hmm. to, like, live her life in the ways that make sense, I think, to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like the series really turned a corner for me once, like, episode three rolls around and she gets out. Is it episode three? Episode three is so at the end. You find out there's a second
0: person. Yes, where Alan in comes the, time the loop. picture. Alan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So from like the beginning of that episode on, where she gets the hell out of that party for a good stretch of time, right. I really started to go, okay, now I understand this character. Now I get her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, I was very annoyed by all the characters, and I'm glad I stuck with it because I think the show is much better than its first episode, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah, um, I also think that part of the problem there is at the party you there's just a whole mix of characters some of them are good some of them are bad and you don't really know who's who in the first in the in, in the first episode yeah like there's this one character who's played he the only thing i've ever seen him in is he plays the smarmy businessman like the sleazy smarmy corrupt business manager at, of the nick on the nick huh. um okay. and seeing him as like the slick back professor who's fucking all these young women and cheating around like uh you, you're not even you're not sure what commentary the show's passing on him i think by the time you get things done or by, by the time the series is over you have <laughs> you know you have a, a, a where he fits in in the universe and mm-hmm. um i do it's,
1: it's pretty gross but you know yeah. there are people like that i i get that
0: yeah yeah and he's also an interesting framework to like re like evaluate other people's relationships through too because yeah. i think a lot of I think a lot of young men make that mistake that like if their girlfriends and I think probably young women too, it goes both ways. If they're, if their uh, person cheats on them, they take it as a referendum on themselves um, mm-hmm. or they take it on a, instead of just seeing that like, you know what, this relationship wasn't working for a multiple attitude of reasons. And this was just a symptom of the disease. Um, and there's nothing that I could have done. Like, uh, you know, maybe, if, maybe if you skip back a couple years and started to do things right and, and seeing the character kind of organically realize that and come to peace with. You know this womanizer and his his ex girlfriend and himself and the like immediate change in his luck that started happening. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah. honestly, how, where do you stand on the the main twist at the end, where like you get in the final episode, they defeat the loop, but there is a twist where only one of them is able to have bring their hard fought wisdom into the present with them Mm -hmm. and then it's now a desperate rescue mission to find the other other per the other deluded still deluded person and try to rescue
1: them from themselves yeah no i i think it's it's an interesting message of unity Mm -hmm. uh in a strange way like yeah they can they can go through this but you see their journey and it's very much one of like push and pull from both sides right like i want to solve my problem uh especially from Leone's Uh, side character side of the thing she's like you know but she's a wrecking ball right she comes through people's Mm -hmm. lives and she will do as she pleases no matter the cost uh but i i felt like it was more one-sided in that that figuring out of the relationship and now that they are kind of one of them is through that process Mm -hmm. it might be easier and it might be more healthy for them to help the other along that process because now they understand themselves better Mm -hmm. uh And I think they got to a place before the timeline split where they, you know, they were happy with each other. But Mm -hmm. I also think this is like a chance, this is sort of a a permanent do over, right? Like, Mm -hmm. instead of being resurrected every time you die, this is like the one that counts. Mm -hmm. And then they get the the opportunity to do this all over again the right way. And I, I felt like that was pretty cool. I also that
0: maybe it's a meditation on like the uh, a sense of community that we're lacking that like every, no one can do is this the series I saw where someone asserted that no one can do anything by themselves yes yes yeah, it was yeah. what the uh the bodega or the convenience store owner told to the um the his his friend mm-hmm. cuz the guy you know he offers help and Uh, You know, the guy doesn't need it, doesn't want it. And I just like to be self-reliant. And he made this statement about like no one can do anything by themselves. And I thought that was an interesting statement because I think into increasingly society, people feel disconnected from each other. I know I do. Like mm-hmm. I have, like I don't have nearly as many friends that I keep up with on a day to day basis as I did even five years ago, let alone fifteen years ago. And um, it's been on my mind that maybe I should reach out and I should put myself out there. And there's another like when um, uh, Nadia's uh, step or adopted mother therapist uh, or no, whatever. Ruth. Yeah, yeah I, I loved a lot. Some of her stuff like struck me as a little bit dime store wisdom, but there was some stuff that I thought was uh, really interesting when. She was talking about, you know, her fraught relationship with the mother, which, you know, it's interesting to see how many ways you can have a fucked up relationship with your mother, Um, you know, because like I I, I really identified with like the, the sharp objects one. But this one is like completely I don't have like my mother is is a bad person, but she's not like clinically insane. Right, um, And have that kind of like what would it be like to have a child and you're at the whims of this, uh, you know, this person is your whole life and they're also just uh, just, you know, gone and gone, gone in the head. Um, but the idea that like, you know, this Nadia character was a, a, a seed buried in this dark, rocky place and it's always trying to seek the light and that like in her adult life, you know, when she survived to adulthood, she kind of had given up doing that and she 's like, "You know, where is this you know this beautiful like desire to live you 're engaging the same kind of lazy self destruction as as your uh, as your mother I thought that was a, a nice little moment too that like you know we need we need connection and we need this we need to never stop growing or or we end up be dying essentially mm-hmm. um either of old age or through bad decisions that we make um, I thought that there was some there's some wisdom to be had in the show from from some of these uh, and it's other things like in a comedy like uh, I, only maybe Lady Dynamite have I seen another comedy where they'll just take five minutes out to do a therapy session you know a fairly <laughs> yeah. realistic like you know a fair ther- like a simulated
1: breakthrough um, and I, I I enjoy that I enjoy that a lot yeah and I think to that community message there's also like the idea at the end of this once you get yourself healthy you can help someone else to, mm-hmm. to see that through like when they when the timelines do split at the end uh th- they get the opportunity to help the other person uh now that they're healthy which i thought was cool um there's also
0: this this show starts off lightheaded or lightheaded lighthearted um as lighthearted as you can get with this kind of show this kind of material and uh, mm-hmm. they play the death for last and everything but i noticed in the last three episodes as they really start emphasizing the things that were changing in the universe that it got really kind of dark and ominous and yeah, yeah when kind her of friends start disappearing and, and faster and faster. Uh-huh. And her young self shows up and, you know, they start spontaneously dying rather than through their own, like, actions. Um, I started, like, it, it wasn't clear to me that this was going to have a happy ending,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And there was some, like,
1: almost horror, <laughs> h- almost horror show elements there. Yeah, dude, as... Uh, so they frame some of this discussion in, like, coder talk and doing, mm-hmm. like, unit tests and stuff yes. like that. And they yes. they talk about, okay, when we... When we go and we change something, we got to do this unit test, and the unit mm-hmm. test will be that we die, and when we wake up, d- did things change? Are they better? Essentially, what they're doing there is signing a suicide pact, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can't—in that scenario, you can't run the test and have it show you a success without also dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Permanently. Yeah. So— it got really fucking dark there for a minute i was like oh no they've just sealed their fates yeah i was wondering uh, luckily, if, like, almost luckily she starts seeing herself and things go horribly wrong with their plan
0: yeah i was wondering that was one of the possible ways i saw it being dark is like at the end of the series they're like fully happy and integrated people and they're like we got it solved and then they jump off a roof together and then the next yeah. day you see they're on the news <laughs> right <laughs> And also there's this this idea that Nadia had that where maybe she is hopping universes, but the people are continuing like in one universe, yeah. like, you know, this this person that she loves has seen her die horribly like six times and she traumatizes a child. And she does. Um, I thought that was a really interesting concept that I felt like they maybe went away because I thought when she gave that glib speech about unit testing and all that stuff, I'm like, well, what about all the people like are you are we not concerned about that anymore? Or why are
1: we not concerned about that anymore? Yeah, that's fair. And then she dies in front of, you know, her ex's daughter. Oh, Jesus. That uh, whole plot line. Which which she really, really wanted to avoid. Uh, right. Yeah, that was pretty dark. Right. Um, but there's but, some, uh... some lighthearted good stuff in there, too. Like, I really love them setting up. I think this is in the second episode. The stairs, essentially, is her nemesis. That, you know, every time she tries to go down, she's screaming, stay away from me. I'm coming down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Because she just kept dying. Yeah. And eventually she's got to go out the fire escape, which seems on the face of it a lot more dangerous. Right. Uh, I don't know. I just loved it. What's interesting is I think you're supposed to understand now that I've
0: seen the whole series is where she's just rapidly dying in the beginning are like instances where Alan is going through existential despair and just rapidly iterating through suicide. Could be, yeah. Like, instead of talking to my girlfriend, I was going to go up to the top of the building and take a header. Uh Uh-huh. And I was going to do that over and over and over and over again because that's the only thing that kind of internally has any kind of internal logic, that all these unexplained deaths they thought they were having was when the other one would die and they, you know, the, the, the universe then had to kill the other one so that the loop could maintain. Because that's, that's definitely one of the rules, right? When one yeah. of them
1: dies, they both die. Okay. Yeah, and I, I found myself in the middle of this series asking the question, like, what happens when one of them dies? Because they clearly show up knowing the things that each other knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're on the same timeline together after they die. So does one just stay dead until the other dies? What if that person lives 30 years, you know? Uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I found myself answering asking those questions and then the show answered it no they the universe conspires
0: i do think that that's like the show is pretty airtight it'd be interesting to watch it again yeah. to see with my full understanding of the universe to see if it cheats um mm-hmm. it's kind of a big commitment that i'm probably not going to do but um i i found that like the the fact that every single time they add a new rule there's a new wrinkle nothing felt cheap or like because uh, you know we decry that a lot on um game of thrones like The later a magical mechanic is introduced into this series, the more likely it's going to be used by the the showrunners as a, you know, deus ex machina or something that's going to rob dramatic tension rather than increase it. But for whatever reason, maybe it's because this is essentially a morality play and it's the plotting is kind of secondary. Yeah. Um, Or maybe it's because it's just really well done. Um, and nothing felt cheap. Nothing felt like it. it n- none of these mechanics felt like they made the job easier. It always mm-hmm. added a complication that every single time like there, there's a stretch between like episode three and seven where I think you learned a new wrinkle about how this time thing happens every fucking episode. Yeah. Usually as a kind of cliffhanger. And that could have felt cheap. And, but I tell you what, it was really fucking addicting. Um, you know, I've been going to bed early and rising early for like this entire year because my son is on just a re- ridiculous school schedule now. And uh I rarely stay up past midnight, but this show had me like up at one o'clock in the morning, like on Monday night with my eyes bleeding. <laughs> and my wife and I were both kind of pondering whether we want to push through for like the last two episodes, because it's that kind of cliffhanger and or like an emotional beat and it's a show was just so much fun to watch too. just instantly just continually fascinating to watch that it really was tough to not to just inhale it in one night i could easily see starting this at six o'clock on a friday night and being done by midnight
1: yeah yeah for sure it was it was a pretty easy watch for me too uh i think i binged so i watched the first episode uh saturday night sunday night and then i binged the rest of it the following night
0: ah so yeah i I, was worried because i remember you saying you didn't like the first episode and by then i'd seen the next two i'd uh, seen up until alan shows and i'm just like i was going to beg if you were resistant like just please get to episode (laughs) three because that's when i think the show just like really seemed like it could do anything Mm -hmm. um There's a lot of... I I like a good party, like a bin scene. And this is one of the better ones. Like, there's like a three-minute one... I guess it's probably not a one take, but that thing where they like uh, it's like like a a montage sort of thing. It's essentially if you've seen the BoJack Horseman credit sequence, it's that and with a real life person where it's just like the cameras locked on their face. Probably they got some kind of rig on her chest and it's like focused and she's just going through and smoking like three packs of cigarettes and drinking two fifths of whiskey and doing like shovels of coke into her face And god knows everything else And just like just getting completely fucked up I love those scenes And there's like three different scenes like that in this series And I don't what Because if you know anything about Natasha's actual life Is like she seems like she had had up an up-and-coming Promising career And then she got like a whole de- like Kind of like a Robert Downey Jr. type Where she fell in a decade of alcohol and drug abuse And was in and out of court systems And in and out of deferment programs I wonder what it's like to simulate partying that hard when you've <laughs> actually partied that hard and it's turned into a giant problem because you want to yeah. make it look. I mean, realistically, the reason people do this is because it is a fun escape, mm-hmm. but you also probably have an obligation to show like where that goes, at least in excess, if not in just like, in you know, uh, I, I wonder what because um, like sh- she and Amy Poehler, the two essential create credited creators of the show. Um oh Leslie Headland, which I've never heard of before. She's in there too. Hmm. Um But um I I wonder what it's like to be a recovering
1: addict and to be that immersed in simulated addiction. Probably depends on how far along in the recovery process you are. <laughs> like yeah. you don't want to do this too close to your partying days, because yeah. I imagine it could it could trigger some uh bad stuff in your life. But yeah, I think like if if you can get far enough removed, you know, emotionally and mentally from that place you were in your life at that time, then mm-hmm. I think you can do a good job. You can do a hell of a job depicting it because you know mm-hmm. what it's like. And you probably also are are capable of withstanding it. Like, I don't think we're going to see Natasha Leone, you know, fucking go into a drug binge spree here in the next year or so. Right. No, I, cu- I could be wrong. Maybe she will. Who knows? But uh, oh, it'd be so sad. It'd, it, be, it'd like, be so it, sad. It'd be like if Robert Downey Jr. fell off the wagon after Iron Man 2. Yeah.
0: which essentially, <laughs> right. like, you know, the Tony Stark's addiction plot. Like, oh, God, that'd be... That'd, oh, it's
1: just a, the feel of the glass in I, my hand.
0: Yeah, it'd be kind of, like, change how I feel about the project, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, it'd be tragic. Uh, uh, so I hope she doesn't. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it brings a level of accuracy to the d- depiction of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, So I have one
0: kind of there's one uh i noticed at the end when they're trying to convince the other that they know each other when they clearly don't and the thing that he uses on her is he has the exact value of his her mother's gold Mm -hmm. um it's a good thing that she didn't just pull that number out of her ass right because i feel like if most people were like to tell that story and i had like say 120 ish thousand dollars and i wanted to be like natasha leone cool and just give a rat like a figure down to the penny i'd probably make up most of those figures and if someone came up to me unprompted in my life and just said i know that you owe me this figure that you quoted to me in a fictitious time like the fact that that connected like if someone just ran up to you and you're blind drunk and told you a number that maybe you is a like conception but like i felt like that's that was um that's a big reach like why not leave with some of the stuff that he she knows about the mother and why this is a significant birth things that you can count on like the number i thought was weird because it's such a just such a weird and transitory you know number it's like if someone ran up to me and told me like i, I happen to remember my employee fedex number because i had to write it down like a million times i could uh-huh. rattle it off right now but if someone just came up and just said it to me right in the middle of the street and I didn't know them, I don't think it would, I would make the connection that, like, oh, right, that's a number that's got – I haven't thought about that in 10 years, but that number has significance to me. Like, hmm. that that was – of all the things they could have used, I thought that was a, a horseshit one. But that's pretty minor, pretty minor criticism.
1: Okay. I, I mean, I guess, uh, like, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but if I'm looking back and I'm saying – Okay, what what are they doing with that number? I think they're they're doing two things. A, they're leaving it as, you know, this piece of evidence that he can he can throw out there and make her believe mm-hmm. him and uh, his story. But I mm-hmm. think they're also connecting, you know, this this number with the power of the emotion behind it. Right, the the memory of her mother, the the mm-hmm. sort of anger at her mother, um, mm-hmm. the the anger at herself, and I think emotionally that number resonates with her because. She in order to memorize a number like that, you have to either either you have to obsess about it one way or another mm-hmm. uh, and and so I think that's what they 're trying to do with it is is connected emotionally to that character uh, I thought Chloe
0: Savini was really good at playing her mother because oh, that's a, that, that's a tough role. You have to come in and with not even a full episode worth of screen time effortlessly, effortlessly convey why. This person has got this superficial charm, and and the things that she's giving to her daughter to kind of keeps her in her thrall, and also why she's just a, the worst kind of terrible person. And I love how like she's running this watermelon scheme, but mm-hmm. they never explain it. I don't think they have to because it's like okay, that's like somebody that's on like some kind of crazy bipolar binge. That's something that they would do, and I don't need to know why it makes sense in their head because it's madness. Yeah. But, like, there's also something very appealing, but also, you know, when she's locked in a room... Like, there's this really harrowing scene where she's locked herself in a room and she's destroying this room while the therapist slash... uh, What is the exact relationship here? I think they're sisters, but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Because I I wasn't sure, like, like, where she's trying to, like... um, you know, try to shelter the girl from it and make sure she's taken care of. And there's this, like, the uh, Nadia doesn't want to betray her mom. So she acts like she's not hungry or she's fine just eating watermelon. It's like, I, I thought that was some really, really cool work. And it, it paid off where it turns out, like, Natasha thinks that she's killed her mom mm-hmm. because she, you know, chose to live with her aunt at some point and her mom was dead less than a year later. And uh, the therapist aunt slash adoptive stepmom said, do you not realize that there's no universe where this situation would have been allowed to go on? Mm-hmm. Like this version of the universe happened to have you standing in front of a judge saying you wanted to do this, but like if you hadn't, that we would have used legal means to because you just can't let the situation go on. So like, like, like trying to release her of this guilt, you know? Like as a child, you can't take this responsibility because your mom was fucking crazy, and we would have we would have taken you by force if we had to. I thought that was a really great scene too. Yeah um i feel like we're all on Nadia, and we're not talking about alan so much and i'm not sure why mm-hmm. that is um, uh, she feels
1: like the the main focus of the show honestly yeah. But she's but, also more yeah, fun he's there yeah uh-huh. um he's doing good work and I,
0: his girlfriend uh was one of the better things on orange and the new black um i thought that was a really way, interesting way to play that too because she became more sympathetic to more alan kind of Uh, grew to understand himself in his situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, The scene where, like, Natasha uh, or uh, Nadia comes in there and just completely eviscerates her in front of him and, like, to make him feel good, like, that felt like a, a, a moment of victory at the midpoint in the series. But, you know, when he actually has a more adult confrontation with her later on in the series, then it kind of puts that into a different kind of context. It's, I don't know, it's... I'm trying to grasp something about like, I feel like he was going through these like phases of the breakup. And since he's got a lot of his own personal damage, and he's very, there's, he goes on this like one monologue where he's talking about, I I got caught in a cycle where if I just, I thought if I just kept working harder and I did everything right, then I'll feel, one day I'll wake up and I'll feel like less of a failure, which I think is something that a surprising amount of people would identify with. Mm hmm. And, are like I also f- hope that people are starting to identify that that's like a trap. Um, that no that no one can live up to a situation where you always work hard, you always do everything right. Like sometimes you're going to make mistakes, sometimes you're going to get fuck things over. And when that happens to some people, it's like so off their plan. Like they never recover
1: from it. Um, yeah. Or th- go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I think the series does a good job of juxtaposing the two main characters, uh, Nadia and Alan yeah alan alan is living some life of perceived perfection whereas nadia Mm -hmm. is self-destructing in the most uh spectacular way possible Mm -hmm. and i i feel like you know they're trying to say that both of these extremes are ridiculous unhealthy ways to live Uh, and and i think it takes both of them to pull each other to the middle of Mm. that and say look there are some things about myself that you know, I'm not gonna like. There are some things about myself that other people aren't gonna like, and I need to be okay with all of those things, and I can't use these behaviors, whether you know, society deems them good or bad behaviors, to kind of yeah. mask over that. I need to own that stuff.
0: Yeah, the the old adage that the opposite of crazy is still crazy, that you know, if you live like as society's perfect little hermetically sealed organism then you're going to go insane. And if you live as like a just complete no rules wild child, you're also going to have a bad time. I thought, uh, yeah. yeah,
1: this is this message of kind of, of, of balance that everybody's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or that everybody can be okay. The, the, they just need to find the thing that's going to make them okay. Yeah. Uh, they, I, I love the
0: description of Natasha Leone, uh, that she looks like she's the love child of Andrew Dice Clay and the girl from Brave. <laughs> yeah, it's great. They had some savage, like, like, I forget what they called the professor, the, 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 you know, womanizing professor, but it's like, it's some kind of something, something, something fisherman looking motherfucker. Uh-huh. Uh, they had a lot of like really devastating critiques of people's physical appearance, which I think is like. That's the only thing you're allowed to do nowadays is like, you have to, if you want to tear someone down, you have to be very specific in your criticism of the, you can't just say they're fat or they're bald. You have to get like, you have, you, you have, you have to like get into their DNA and know exactly, like it, it's, it, but it's really, I thought there's a lot of like really good dialogue. You seem like you were more annoyed by the, the, um, The cleverness of
1: it, but Uh, I thought... Early on, it was so fucking rapid fire. Every single character was delivering one-liners at the pace of, like, 60 per second. And I was just like, nope, uh, not for me. But, yeah, eventually, like... I mean, the response to the Andrew Dice Clay thing is... Or, or I'm sorry, the fisherman motherfucker thing is awesome. Uh-huh. She's just like I felt that man's hands. He's not, never done an honest <laughs> day's work in his life. <laughs> let, I, alone, let alone let alone the rough
0: work of a fisherman. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. It, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. So if eventually, like like I said, when she gets away from the extreme situation of that party, I really started to you know take take that character in a little bit more. What do you think it's like to experience
0: being dog barking, knee walking, drunk? And instantaneously be sober a second later. Ooh, because I I kept on thinking hit by like
1: a car yeah, or yeah, jumping like, off w- a roof. Whenever she's
0: like on these Jeff, you know, like like insane drug alcohol binges, uh, and then she dies, and then she wakes up in front of the sink, like at the beginning of the night, and she's not <laughs> like that's a that's an experience that no one can actually have, right? Sure, you know, like you do. I, I suppose like. Outside of like a heroin overdose and Narcon, maybe uh, there's nothing that you can do where like you just you're just instantly cr- cr- world crushingly sober. And I thought that was kind of uh, I, I would like to try that, like be, go from super fucking drunk and just instantly sober. Um, what kind of psychological so- shock would that give you?
1: Well, she, she's def- she's figured out the ultimate hangover cure mm-hmm. and it's to get caught in a time loop and die. Yeah, I just don't know if it's going to work for everyone. I kind of was excited
0: that they established her as a coder, and not just a coder, but, like, someone that works on video games. I thought that would be mm-hmm. fun to play with, and they didn't really do much with it. They do not um, But it kind of, like, they did enough where they established that she's very good at her job, so good that uh, no one no one will check her because, A, she's a girl, and, B, she's, she's really good at her job, so, like, people want to give her shit, but... She's, like, ten times better than any of them is at anything, and it makes them go. But there's a lot of humor, like, uh, she kept... She, every, once I should get a reminder of the 1130 code meeting, and she's just like, fuck that! Yeah. Um, I thought that was really funny. Uh, her whole attitude to to everything in the beginning um, was, was really good. And they do have a little bit of that... Um, that 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 groundhog day where she goes through the, like the five stages of grief where it's like oh this is amazing i can party and do whatever i want and then like oh it's despair and then you mm-hmm. know until she gets ex- acceptance it's very you know very bill murray
1: oh no uh, i mean th- there are so many homages to groundhog day in this show which uh, you kind of expect but down to like there's a homeless person who's kind of central to the whole yep. plot of it they freeze to death in an alley at one point so
0: she's obsessed with say, like making sure that he doesn't get out of right. that homeless shelter and yeah, there there are a lot of of I'll call them homages to be generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. You know, now I think about it. Like, is the is the overcoat that she stole from the dude at the
1: beginning similar to the one that Bill Murray wears throughout Groundhog Day? It's not completely dissimilar. I think they're both like wool wool overcoats in, yeah. in light, lightish colors. There's got to be because this thing's been out for like five
0: days, six days now. There's got to be a BuzzFeed article like the top ten homages that's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Russian doll did the Groundhog Day. Um, did, did did the title of the this, of this show make sense, Russian doll?
1: I, I mean, I think of the nesting dolls, and I guess I didn't <laughs> really make the the connection. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was wondering that myself. Is like, is that just like? Um, you know, it's like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. What the fuck does that have to do with the show? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just like a sick name that you have for a project that everybody likes. And I, I the nesting and recursive, it's I can almost kind of see it. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I thought at one point in the early goings that you're going to get like multiple versions of her or something like that. But they never quite ran into that. Hey, everybody, before we get to talking about Black Earth Rising, I want to talk about our club, It If you go there right now, you can preview all the features that you get for signing up. It's a way to in, to support your independent podcast and keep our production values high and our schedule full of TV and movies that you want us to talk about. Uh, and you get a bunch of stuff uh, in return, such as ad-free feeds, VIP, VIP access to forums, uh, spoiler versions of our movie podcasts. Uh, video versions of most of our of, uh, video podcasts or of, of a regular podcast rather uh, as well as a bunch of bonus content we produce check it all out at club.baldmove.com and you can sign out for for you can sign up for a free 30-day trial i'm having trouble with my propositions it's off instead of on <laughs> up instead of it down what the hell's going on it's always club.baldmove.com check it out for a free 30-day trial and uh we appreciate your support let us then move to Black Earth Rising. Um I've seen I'm through episode three. I so I've only seen one more episode. How many have you seen? I've seen three. Oh, so you we've both seen episode three. Um yeah. and I deci- I think I've decided unless this show gets a lot worse that I'm gonna stick with it, but I'm gonna do it like on a kind of my own time and as I get a free weekend here or there, I'm gonna watch a couple episodes because here's my thing with the show. I find the like the the political stuff really interesting, and I really want to watch it and try to get an understanding of its point of view, but I'm not sure how careful and accurate that the showrunners are being um like'cause i like it's kind of like uh you can watch James Bond. And you can kind of get a surface understanding of, like, uh, the nuclear weapon tensions with North Korea, for example. but you're never going to understand like whenever they say general pyongyang like you know that's a made up person and they're not using diamond lasers to shoot the us's star wars out like it's it's all like some kind of funhouse version of it and i feel like that's the frustrating thing Is like i want to connect with the main the courtroom stuff and like uh like a fi- i would love to see a fictionalized version of a real human rights uh trial mm-hmm. but what i'm getting is just crazy every single episode you find out that she's having an affair with someone who might have died, or her <laughs> mom died, or her mom had an abortion, and it's not. Yeah, it's 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 like it's it's all coming very very fast, and I also don't understand what it has to do
1: with anything. Right. Like, yeah, I man, it wouldn't it be great to get like a few good men? Yes, but, but in this in this context, yes, uh, of a r- the Rwandan genocide, yes, that, that would be awesome. That'd yes. be awesome, but this show doesn't quite deliver that, and i I feel like they're just trying to do too much uh-huh. uh, with with something that's already interesting and could be explored deeper, but they right. want to kind of stay surface level on that, but also on all these other things. Yeah, and that's what's taken me out of it. I'm I'm the I, I think the acting is mostly good. I think the 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 main female lead of that mm-hmm. overacts in some scenes. Like she goes mm-hmm. from zero to a thousand immediately uh and mm-hmm. and with little provocation and i get it look there's a lot of anger there but i i feel like the anger could be depicted in a uh a more nuanced way yeah like it's- and it's good in the in the quieter scenes but when mm-hmm. she goes into like the mansion for instance and she sees the picture missing and just immediately starts shouting as if that's going to mm-hmm. do any good uh mm-hmm. as if this is the appropriate time or place for that i I don't know. I, I wish the, they, they treated that character with a little more respect.
0: Yeah, I'm, and there's, I mean, an argument could be made that a person this emotionally compromised by the material, like she's a survivor sure. of genocide, she literally remembers being pulled out from a pile of corpses, and like, this is all very fresh, like, this is like, and she's very traumatized, and she's got a mental illness, and this is all very realistic portrayal, but it's a realistic portrayal of a character that I don't know, doesn't feel like... It's a realistic portrayal of a type of character that would not be in this position, holding these jobs, doing this investigation. Mm -hmm. Like, John Goodman is a fool to send this woman out into public to do any kind of nuanced work, yet time and time again, she's asked to. And all of her crazy, like, swing-for-defenses, stratagems
1: always, always pay off. Well, they backfire Uh, in her face until... Something Deus is its way yes, into her yes, lap, yes. like right. Th- this this you know, getting the photo from the daughter of this B- Belgian, I think mm-hmm. uh dignitary. This guy that's this covering like, it up. It just falls into how, her lap. Yeah, covering up. Blew how, up that situation.
0: Right, right. And the thing is, like, I they're started talking about real things, like in this episode. Like, there is a. You know, like uh, like the French equivalent of a secretary of state that's working for the French president and that they're proving that he knew that the genocide was. And I'm like, OK, are they talking about the actual French president? And this is things that are actual things that happen. And if so, can we just talk about that stuff? Or is this where is is this the North Korean general that's using some kind of diamond cannon? Like, yeah. Uh, I wish I knew... I wish I knew where the fiction... And I think the fiction is, like, lurid. It's crazy shit. Mm-hmm. It's like a guy massacring an entire human rights commission. It's a guy... It's a... Like, people are just being erased at will. You can just st- take people and put them in a monastery at the vow of silence, and they, they're just... Like, it's, it's just really wild stuff, and it keeps me from connecting to material. Like, there's a lot of problems, and they all add up to, like, you know, the, the over-the-top character... The wild what seem and it seems extraneous because i don't know why i need me to meet this woman's aunt who seems like the worst type of person she's described as god's own praetorian guard she's just a she's just a terrible person and i'm I'm going away from this and i found out her mom i got an abortion i'm like well, what does this mean to this woman and what is her relationship and then john goodman literally 30 seconds later is like ah, don't pay attention to anything that woman said she's crazy and she was an ira terrorist and and i'm like well, then what the fuck was that 5 minute scene by the river for? Like no, I mean, and the, it's like well is the truth and like you know it's it's it kind of one of those things is like what is the truth? I guess the truth is in the eye of the beholder and it's what you're passionate about. And believe and I'm like that's a really round the way way to make that point.
1: No, I, I feel like the show just doesn't have the confidence it needs to pull off the subject matter. Like is the trauma of surviving a genocide not enough for this character? Yeah. Do you do you need this character to also have An affair an ongoing affair that she's conducting do you need this character to also have a mother who had an abortion who might just be taking her in out of a sense of guilt like yeah all of that amounts to just a a caricature and exactly and and, and this this was so much better in right this this isn't isn't the whole season this is just three fucking episodes it's so much better in the first episode i i think they made a huge mistake killing off the mother because the tension between the genocide survivor and her mother who is a international prosecutor is Mm-hmm. Is a really powerful, strong one, and I think they right. make their best case for this show in that first episode, and then they proceed to fuck it up. No, and the stuff where they're
0: talking about the Rwandan generals who are or the, the the Tutsi generals that they're trying to portray as kind of like the heroic saviors of the people, but they're now being uh, persecuted by like the French and Belgian governments for and, and Canadian governments for making them feel bad or whatever. Like I, that stuff, I think is interesting because like the central stratagem of. We are going to voluntarily submit to this Court of World Justice just so that we can get to the bottom of it, and we're going to trust that... Um, we're we're going to trust the world and ourselves to be able to work out this and come to a correct conclusion is super interesting. And I think even a genocide survivor that is kind of in the middle of this and conflicted, and maybe she doesn't, maybe she doesn't know the whole strategy, or maybe she doesn't agree with the strategy, because the strategy could backfire. Like the French, Belgians, Canadians, United States could just conspire to railroad this person in the the United States into the court of world opinion, and then you're in a worse situation if you want to get justice for Rwanda than you started off with. Like, Mm -hmm. that that's all interesting, legitimate but when they throw on the stupid drowning in the pool and the assassination climbing through attempt the air vents. and climbing yeah. through air vents and her mom's got an abortion and what that it's it's just it's it's too much for me to even keep track of. There's so many times I had yeah. to rewind to be like, well, am I supposed to know who the fuck this person is? Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm going to watch it, but I wish I had the confidence to like I don't know enough about the the Rwandan genocide to say whether this is a show that's worth watching factually and it's always threatening to lose me like narratively and character so I'm going to I'm going to keep going because the central proce- the central point is really interesting and I'm wondering if like maybe they're worried that like well people are going to be bored or we need to sexy this up and like the first third of this like the first act of this is just like smacking you in the face and like you know what are you interested in? You interested in women's rights? Are you interested in uh, court of law? You interested in uh, spy thrillers? You interested in uh you know geo- whatever you're interested in? Like we're gonna throw and try to capture you, um, and then they'll settle down and fucking tell the actual interesting part of the story. Or maybe they have to establish all this because her mom getting an abortion is going to be vitally important to understanding her role. I I, I don't know, but I don't I don't have the faith that it's going to pay off, but. Yeah, I don't either. That's why I'm just gonna watch Ted Bundy tapes. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, like fuck, I would, I would rather watch uh, the first three episodes of Black Earth Rising again than any part of that fucking Ted Bundy <laughs> shit or any of that true crime shit. All right, are you, are you, are you actually how far in are you? I've seen two episodes. Yeah, yeah. How hot is this serial killer, Joe? I mean, I'd fuck him. You'd fuck him. I, I'd fuck him and get killed by him. Sure, if it's the last thing I do, I'd fuck him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't fuck him. He's a serial killer. You can look in that man's eyes and tell that he's full of shit. Yeah, like yeah. I I don't know. There's Zac this... Efron. Yeah, yeah. Zach Efron has it's full of shit. Uh, remarkable resemblance to Ted Bundy. Remarkable. Is he really?
0: Because I think that no. Okay, because because I, I was thinking Hollywood like goes way overboard in casting the sexiest version of a person. Oh dude, yeah, like you know, it's like Zach, like yeah, Ted Bundy might be. You saw him at a community meeting, like okay, that's a that's that's
1: a guy that's interesting and attractive, and he's not ugly. But like Zach Efron, come on, man. No, I don't know what the internet's thing with the thirst for Ted Bundy uh, is all about, but Mm. I'm not feeling it. I don't know. I feel like maybe this is like a
0: perspective thing because, like, for, I, I, and I, as I was, because I started to tee off on this on lunch. Someone kind of baited us into, it, and I got halfway into a rant about like you fucking women and I, I presume gabro, gabros who are lo- thirsting after this. And I'm like, you know what? I can think of my lifetime how many femme fatales and how <laughs> like characters who were like nakedly uh sexual like sharon stone basic instinct like how many guys were like flipping their shit about that and loving it and like thinking it was so hot and you know how many people like and there's also like a dearth of female serial killers mm-hmm. so like you can't even really test the theory of like whether guys like if there was a like like a jessica alba turned out to eat 30 people uh-huh. <laughs> i bet a lot of dudes <laughs> would be like i'd still take that risk you know like so oh, like my it's just uh, it it seems like it's uh it seems like it's um seems like it's cheap shots to be kicking kicking women in their serial killer thirst so i'm not going to engage in it but <laughs> i really feel it i really feel it <laughs> yeah i i don't know uh okay so that's it i think for bald move tv uh i'm going to give out the email address the way we're going to plan on using this is when we have weeks where we're, there's not a whole lot going on we're going to like maybe go dive through the mailbag and look for topics that might be interesting so we're not going to have feedback as a big part of the week to week because it's asking a lot to have people uh binge along with the stuff with us and 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 try to weave interesting feedback on like overall takes on series and stuff like that but uh it's tv at dot if you want to uh put in something and see if we answered a couple weeks or months from now uh you can also discuss this stuff on the forums forums at dot there's a lot of people enjoying uh uh, uh the, the russian doll on the forums right now mm-hmm. and we'll be back next week for a lot more bald move tv coverage uh until then i'm aaron and i'm jim i'll see you